Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Alvick. And I'm Connor Thompson. This week we are bringing you October 28th through November 3rd in 1993. Do you like 93? Pretty good year. October 28th. 60 Emerald Bay houses lost in fire. Homeowners whose properties were threatened include ex-astronaut Buzz Aldrin and the nation's richest man, Warren E. Buffett. Like many other communities, Emerald Bay was beloved for its small-town feel, a place where children could roam free, doors remain unlocked, and family values reigned. But in this pristine patch of Southern California coastline, children play on six private tennis courts or splash around an exclusive cove where the sand is white and the ocean color matches the jewel for which the community was named. The nest of 500 homes is usually secured behind a locked gate, but on Wednesday, 60 of the community's luxury homes, valued anywhere from $200,000 to $2 million each, were engulfed in flames that leapt across the surrounding fences, licked at the eaves of stately mansions, climbed their walls, and collapsed their roofs. Those poor, poor rich people. Yeah. Also, 1993 when $200,000 was a luxury home. Right. All right, moving on to October 29th. The first Got Milk commercial is broadcast on TV. It was directed by Michael Bay and went a little (laughs) something like this. There's no explosions, apparently. A guy obsessed by the uh, history of the duel hears a voice on the radio asking a $10,000 question. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel while making a peanut butter sandwich? The question was transferred to the telephone. He answers the correct answer, Aaron Burr, but the person on the telephone can't hear it clearly because his mouth is full of peanut butter sandwich before time ends, and he only has a few drops of milk left. We should watch this. I haven't seen this commercial. I I don't remember this one. I mean, I remember so many of the Got Milk commercials because that was a huge campaign in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can't believe Michael Bay directed this one. That's super funny. Yeah, and that's, you know what else? That's not the only time we're going to hear Michael Bay's name in this episode. We're already off to a bad start. October 30th, Jordan says that life in retirement is a dunk. Michael Jordan, wearing his college basketball shorts under a dapper white suit and silvery vest, has told the television interviewer Oprah Winfrey that he is happy in retirement. In response to a question about what occupies his time now that he's free from the rigors of the eight-month-long professional basketball season, Jordan responds, nothing. Quote, basically, whatever I feel like doing that day is what I do. Jordan told Winfrey in an interview that was broadcast nationally yesterday. Those activities might include taking his two cents to school, playing his beloved game of golf, answering fan mail, saving the world from aliens, sleeping late, or gambling profusely. Uh, A couple of those may have been added in post-article. Moving on. October 31st, it's Halloween. Also, Tupac is arrested today with uh, shooting two off-duty police officers in Atlanta. The charges were later dropped. Very sadly today, River Phoenix died of combined drug intoxication on the sidewalk outside the West Hollywood nightclub The Viper Room at age 23. He was uh, there to play that night, and that didn't happen. And that was really sad. Uh, Johnny Depp was a part owner of this club at the time, and it remained closed every year on Halloween up until, I think, 2004 when Johnny Depp sold his uh, stake in the club. Oh, God. This doesn't get better. Article today. Youth simulate clan lynching at school costume party. Two teenagers wore Ku Klux Klan costumes and pretended to lynch another boy wearing blackface at a high school Halloween party. All three should have been turned away, their principal says. The students were made to take off their hoods and noose at the door Wednesday, but were allowed to put the props back on for a group photo and won prizes for their costumes. Jesus Christ. Quote, 
they walked in and a lot of people were like, that's not nice. But a lot of people said, that's cool, like original, said Jessica Hayner, age 17. All right. Oh, fuck. So, fool me once. Okay, the kids wore the costume and they got into school. That's, that's, that's strike one. Two, somehow they got into the group picture and put the hoods back on. That's strike two. They won a prize? That is, uh, that's strike three. Come on. You had opportunity upon opportunity to not set things right, but set things less wrong. Why is it that kids are referred to as youths when they're doing, doing bad, bad things? things? Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just like it's, it's a softer landing that way. All right, moving on to November 1st. A top star of Sony says he wants out. It was the kind of nightmare that executives at the Sony Corporation might have feared when they plunged into the music industry's volatile mix of talent, ego, and money six years ago through their $2 billion acquisition of CBS Records. There in the witness box last week sat one of Sony's most valuable assets, George Michael, the pop singer whose first solo album, Faith, sold 14 million copies after its release in 1988. He told the High Court in London that Sony may know how to manufacture a Walkman, but that it has no appreciation for the creative process. Saying he was disillusioned by Sony's unwillingness to allow him to grow as an artist, Mr. Michael demanded to be released from his long-term contract. Since then, Sony has had absolutely no issues with artists wanting to be released from their contracts for any reason at all. Hashtag free Kesha. That was weird. Anyway, moving on to November 2nd, Pizza Hut looks for a second agency. Pizza Hut said yesterday that it was searching for an additional agency, advertising agency, to join BBDO New York on its roster to handle campaigns aimed at children as well as selected projects. Though billings were not disclosed, Adweek estimated at them at 10 million. Pizza Hut's review is the latest example of a trend by major marketers like Coca-Cola and Sega of America to divide their accounts and... Okay, the point of this is Pizza Hut is splitting their A they're advertising eggs into multiple baskets. One of these baskets is marketing towards kids. I don't exactly know how well this worked, but I will say that we were both five at this point. Yep. And just hearing the name Pizza Hut now oh, God. is making me crave a delicious stuffed crust pizza or a mouth-watering pepperoni pizzone. Personal pan all the way. Just a note, we were not paid for the preceding statement, but we are willing to be paid in pizza. Pizza Hut, if you're listening, we want in. Anyway. All right, November 3rd. The Nanny premiered on CBS today, classic Fran Drescher. Also on this date, Kmart to sell 91 Pace stores to Walmart. Kmart Corporation said Tuesday that it will sell 91 of its 113 Pace membership stores to Walmart Stores Incorporated, abandoning its money-losing discount warehouse operation and setting the stage for the most intense competition between the surviving warehouse giants, Walmart's Sam's Club and Price slash Costco. The $300 million sales agreement gives Walmart an opportunity to expand and challenge Costco in markets where it has little or no presence, particularly California. In conclusion, fuck Walmart, go Costco. Yeah, Costco's pretty nice. Like, here's a hot dog for a dollar. Here's a bunch of free samples. Go nuts, friend. Like a an intimidatingly large warehouse. That's still somewhat welcoming. Also, the preceding statement was not sponsored in any way by Costco, but we are willing, completely willing to be paid in Kirkland jeans. And pizza, because Costco has pizza as well. Costco has pizza? Yeah, they do. Since when? Always. All right. Let's dive into movies movies and music. All right. That was weird. All right. So in the box office this week at number one. Of course. We've got Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yes. This is fantastic. Yeah, and it is. Oh, okay, it's its third weekend, and this is the perfect time of year. It's Halloween. It's Christmas. We can have Halloween on Christmas. We'll live like Jack and Sally. I'm quoting Blink-182 right true. now. This Let's is legitimately on. the very best top five we have ever had. Oh, my God. Object- it is. I didn't even see five. No, this is dynamite. So number two, 
the Beverly Hillbillies. I loved the Beverly Hillbillies. That might be a guilty pleasure. I thought they were funny. You Personally, shoot a gun at the my, ground and oil yeah. comes out. This is this is the low point on the on the movies for oh, me, it, but it's it still definitely is the movie. low point, but this is the highest low point we've ever had because at number three is one of the greatest movies of all time, Demolition Man. Oh my god. Three seashells, Taco Bell, Sandra Bullock, Sylvester Stallone. Oh my god. You just said Wesley Snipes. You just said everything that needs to be said about this movie. Uh, No, tickets for swearing. Rob Schneider. Oh my god. Rob Schneider's in this? Yeah. He works at the police station. Does he? Oh, the swear. Yeah, the little... (laughs) Oh my god, that's so good. For me, it's the three shells. Yeah. And Taco Bell, the whole yeah. fast. Oh, the, I love that Taco Bell is the only restaurant. And they just gloss over. They won the fast food wars. That's yep. all they need. At number four, Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is such a good movie. Jamaica, they have a bobsled team. John Candy at his finest. I love this movie. It's one that if I'm at my parents' house and I'm watching TV and it's on, I'm not going anywhere yeah. until the movie's done. We need a chant. Feel the rhythm. Feel the ride. Get on up. up. It's, it's podcast, podcast time. time. That's the chance. That was not that pre-planned. Was, no, it I wasn't. Like that. that was good. At number five, another goddamn classic. Oh, no. Rudy. Rudy is so good. We've got Sean Astin in this. He's a Notre Dame. He's playing football. He's the tiniest man. I don't even like football, but you gotta, you gotta appreciate Rudy. Rudy. Rudy oh, is, yeah. it, I mean, well, it's a classic underdog story. Yep. So it's it's awesome. And even going down the list, we're we're past the top five now, but there is some good stuff in here. We get at number six, Fatal Instinct. Uh, the Age of Innocence is on here. The Fugitive's the Fugitive a good is one. What I was really looking at. Oh, at the bottom of the list, not numbered, falling off, still there. Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. All right, let's move into a less exciting billboard. At number one, we get Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. All one word. That's a very, uh, it's a bold step, Mariah. But we- hey, you're a dream lover, and we, uh, we got to appreciate you for that. At number two, picking it up again, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that by Meatloaf. We've got a lot of questions about that, but that'll have to wait. Yep. At number three, All That She Wants by Ace of Base. It's not my favorite Ace of Base song. It's, it's a, a good It's a good Ace of Base song. It is a good one. But it's not the sign. All right. At number four, we get Just Kicking It by Escape. And at number five, The River of Dreams by Billy Joel. I love Billy Joel. Billy Joel is really good. I am super bummed out. Okay. I saw Billy Joel with you guys. Mm-hmm. Tally is also in the room. Playing some video games. Last summer at Bonnaroo. Great show. Like, last last summer now. And uh, Billy Joel was fucking amazing. He's I am such just... an old, crotchety New Yorker. Like, that man had no business being out in the summer heat. It was not doing well for him, but he put on a hell of a show. Full-blown suit. Sweatiest man. And I am just super... I'm super disappointed I wasn't more into Billy Joel at the time because he has such good music. All right, moving down this list. At number six, we get Hey Mr. DJ. Nice. That's a good one. Ooh, number 11. What is Love by Hadaway. Way. This is obviously one of the classic 90s songs. Yep. Have you been finding yourself saying obviously more since the uh, the teaser poster for Guardians of the Galaxy 2? <sighs> I think so. I have. Yeah. Okay. At 20, we get No Rain by Blind Melon. What is this? Okay. No Rain, Blind Melon. 
fantastic 90s song. I know One of those, like, is. if there was a top 10 of the 90s, I think this would be on it. Oh, yeah, that is... It's up there. It's no What Is Love, but it is a really, really classic song. All right, let's get a couple more here. At 23, we have Soul to Squeeze uh, from Coneheads by the Chili Peppers. 25, Boom Shake the Room by DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. 26. What's 26? Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. I'm just going to pretend like I know what that is That's and listen to it later. 29, we get Gin Blossoms with Hey Jealousy. All right. Maybe we close it at 31 here. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I want to close it at 35. Okay. 31 is Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. Ooh, that's good. That is really good. Oh, oh we I can't just want 35. We have to I just want to six. At number 35, we've got Hopelessly by Rick Astley. You don't know this song. I don't know this song because this was basically the last song he had before he retired. Hmm. And that was it until Rick Rowling came around and reignited his career. Yeah, he really is on the upswing. He is. He just released an album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't really heard it, but uh, I heard one song off it. It, was, it wasn't bad. I think people are just going to buy it for the sake of buying it. I mean, Rick seems like a really good dude. I yeah. will say that. His AMA on Reddit was pretty great. Yeah. Closing it out at number 36, we get Cypress Hill with Insane in the Brain. Oh, yeah. We had to end on that one. Oh, I that love that perfect. song. Let's jump into this week on. So every week on the podcast, we bring you an episode of Seinfeld. Friends or The Simpsons. And this week, we're diving into The Simpsons, Season 5, Episode 5, Another Treehouse of Horror, this time number 4. Season 5, Episode 5, but the fourth Treehouse of Horrors. In The Devil and Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson announces that he would sell his soul for a donut, and the devil appears, in the form of Ned Flanders, to make a deal with Homer. Homer tries to outsmart the devil by not finishing the donut, but he eventually eats it because, you know, he's Homer and sent to hell. A trial is held between Homer and the devil to determine the rightful owner of Homer's soul. The verdict being Homer Simpson's soul is rightfully the property of Marge Simpson. In terror at five and a half feet, while riding the bus to school, Bart Simpson believes he sees a gremlin taking apart the bus piece by piece. Nobody sees it except for Bart, so he tries to remove it on his own. Such a good one. That is a really good one. In the last bit from this episode, Bart Simpson's Dracula, Mr. Burns is a vampire and Bart falls victim to his bite. Lisa and the rest of the family go to the Burns castle to kill Burns so Bart can return to normal. Mm. That one's that one's probably the most forgettable of the three. It's a good one. They have some good gags in there, like going to Mr. Burns's house in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think uh, I think the first two are very solid. And then Terror at Five and a Half Feet is, of course, a direct parody of the um, Twilight Zone Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet, starring William Shatner before he did Star Trek. So you gotta love that. That's pretty great. Yeah. All right, now we want to we want to get into a little bit of a serious topic here. We're gonna we're gonna tone it down. We're gonna get a little serious with it you. Down a notch because this week's thankfully not '90s segment concerns the 2016 presidential election. Which, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want anything to do with that. All right, so this week's '90s spotlight. One word: that. As we mentioned earlier, the number two song at the in the Billboard Hot 100 this week is. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that by Meatloaf. And we want to know what that is. As we mentioned um, the last time we brought this song up, we quickly glossed over what exactly that is. What Meatloaf won't do for love. And we did some further digging and it turns out that Wikipedia already has a pretty extensive section titled Perceived Ambiguity <laughs> of That on, on the article for this song. Uh, and we're just going to read from that right now. So Meatloaf says that the question, what is that? is one of the most popular questions he's asked. 
Each verse mentions two things that the man would do for love, followed by one thing that he will not do. The title phrase repetition reasserts that he won't do that. Each mention of that is a reference to a particular promise that he made earlier in the same verse. So the four things that he says he would never do are, number one, forget the way you feel right now. Two, forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight. That's sketchy. Yeah. Three, do it better than I do it with you. And four, stop dreaming of you every night of my life. At the song's conclusion, the woman predicts two things that he will do. One, you'll see that it's time to move on. And two, you'll be screwing around. To both of these, the male emphatically responds, I won't do that. In his 1998 VH1 Storyteller special, Meatloaf even explained it on stage using a blackboard and a pointing stick, also known as a pointer. In a 1993 promotional video, Jim Steinman, the writer of the song, states that the definition of that is fully revealed in the song, each mentioned in every verse. This sense would have been more clear if the lyric had been, and I won't do that, instead of, but I won't do that. It's the use of but instead of and that leads to the ambiguity. And I very much agree with that last sentence. There's something about Meatloaf specifically singling out these kinds of things that he won't do and using it as some sort of positive point that really seems weird to me. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like going up to a police officer and saying, hello, officer. I don't have any drugs on me right now. It's a little suspicious. It is suspicious. So after reading this, we did even more digging. It turns out that Meatloaf maintains to this day an up-to-date list of things he won't do for love that he stores on a not-so-secret cloud server. So we now bring you Meatloaf's up-to-date, totally not fictitious list of things that he won't do for love. Take it away, Chris. Meatloaf won't take out the trash more than twice a month for love. Meatloaf will not... Make a joint Facebook account for love. I agree with that one. Uh, yeah, for sure. Meatloaf won't do crystal meth. This one is underlined, and that's very important. He's, he's if you're, serious. If you're, dating, if you're dating someone who's into recreational drugs, you gotta set some of these limits up front that I'm down with. Meatloaf won't let her use the good N64 controller for love. That's, uh... That's serious. Yeah, I mean... That's at a least boundary you don't cross. At least when you're playing Smash Brothers. That, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Don't fuck around. Meatloaf won't let her watch The Walking Dead alone in fear of spoilers for love. That really comes down to trust, Meatloaf. Maybe you just gotta... You just, sometimes you just gotta take a leap of faith. Meatloaf won't do the Macarena for love, but I'm concerned that this one's more of a can't because he's got the oxygen tank on stage and, like, he disappears between songs. Meatloaf is not the most physically fit man. So you think this is just an excuse? I think so. All right. And finally, this is actually, uh, the list goes on, but we this is a curated list. Yeah, we don't want to go on forever. Yeah. Meatloaf won't let anyone know his ATM pin for love. This one's very George Costanza-like. Very Costanza-esque. Uh, there, yeah, and the list goes on and on. There's pages of this stuff, but I think we we reread the letter. We love a very it. finicky man. That's what I, I know, learned. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. He's persnickety. Mm -hmm. Moving on to a segment that I honestly never thought we would see again. But I, holy I, shit, how is this the third time we're doing? I it? don't know. This week in our favorite segment, that's somewhat moderately Raven. Honestly, we don't have any news that is somewhat moderately Raven because we only have full-blown Raven news. This is the most Raven news we've ever had. Earlier this week, Raven Simone announced that she has been working on a sequel-slash-spinoff to the wildly popular show That's So Raven, where she will star as her character Raven, but this time as a single mom of two, and one of the children has powers just like mom did. Holy fuck, that is so Raven. I think that is the most, that is possibly the most Raven news we can announce on this show. It's extraordinarily I mean, Raven. It's been making the Facebook rounds, you probably already know about it by she now. She announced it on The View. This is the most realistically Raven 
Raven News. You know what's the best part about ever. this news? She announced it on The View to a group of like middle-aged women who were applauding wildly for a show that I guarantee not a single one of them had seen unless maybe they walked into the room while their kids were watching it. Yeah, I mean, but I think this one might be a bit more accessible. Like, it's both going to be very good for the nostalgia and possibly for older audiences as well because Raven is going to be a single mom probably in her 30s at this point. Oh yeah, they're definitely targeting that view crowd. Do you, do you think they're going to bring Corey back? I think so. I hope so. I think they'll bring everyone back. I mean, and I don't know how the lore is going to play into this, because, okay, none of you probably watched the That's a Raven spinoff, Corey in the House. Oh, I remember that. But the the lore, yeah, their dad becomes the caterer, the personal chef of the president of the United States, and thus Corey, Raven's younger brother... Moves into the White House, and there's a spinoff show already involving the shenanigans of him living in the White House. And Raven shows up a couple times, so that's going to be interesting. It's going to be something. Yeah. So, every week on the podcast, we have a sponsorship segment. Sometimes we have real sponsors who give us 10 bucks and we plug their stuff on the show. If you're interested, we'll get you the details at the end of the episode, as we always do. But most of the time, we bring you a fictitious sponsor, you know, just to keep prepared for when the big companies come knocking on our door to throw bundles of cash at us. I don't want that Squarespace money. Or boxes of pizza. Looking at you, Pizza Hut. Kirkland jeans? Down with Kirkland. This week's sponsor for Stuck in the 90s is Reasonable Airline Restrictions. Once upon a time, let me tell you a story. Gather around, children. Gather around. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, if you were in an airport and you were about to fly somewhere and you were thirsty, you could bring a bottle of water through a security check and they wouldn't throw it out because it was just a bottle of water. Crazy talk. Oh, wait, there's more. Maybe you had a nail clipper in your pocket because you are a well manicured adult. Practically a weapon of mass destruction. You could bring that nail clipper in through security. Maybe you had a pocket tool that had a knife attachment. You could bring that in too because who's going to stab someone with a two-inch blade? Probably no one. Connor, you live in a fantasy world. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy, but in the 90s, all of these things could be brought on a commercial flight without issue. What a time. I I imagine the security checks were a lot shorter too. Lines probably moved in a timely fashion. We've got movies like Home Alone where people are running to the gate last minute. They're not being patted down by the P- by the TSA. Right. They are showing up with their tickets last minute and getting on a plane. They're losing their boarding passes and boarding a plane to New York City instead of Florida. These are the kind of things that could happen back in the day. Remind me one episode toward Christmas to pitch the audience my my movie, my Christmas movie idea. That's all I'll say for now. It's not Christmas yet, so I can't bring it up. It's Halloween. I mean, yeah, that, that's true. I have so many movie ideas. There are two things I would love to do in my life. Make Sister Act 3 and make a movie that takes place in the universe of Mrs. Doubtfire. It doesn't have, obviously it can't have Robin Williams in it. Yeah. It would have none of the original cast. It would just take place in the universe where characters reference the fact that they grew up watching the TV show Mrs. Doubtfire on TV. How cool would that be? I think that's all we got for this episode. Yeah. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, Reasonable Airline Restrictions for getting the line moving along rather quickly. All right. You can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. We are on Instagram at stuckinthe90spodcast. Same with Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at SIT90S, SIT90s. If you want to be a $10 sponsor, you have 10 bucks, you want us to plug your stuff, maybe you want to send us your Tinder profile and we will find you love. You can email us, we'll talk about it, and as long as you're not a crazy person, we'll give you a plug on the show. Next week on the podcast, the wheel's the wheels nearby, but it's, we, we want to 
cycle through the rest of the years available and round out the year like that. So next week, we will be bringing you November 4th through November 10th in the year 1996. All right, until then, the podcast podcast is is now now over. over.